Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing, but you got to click the link and enter Evil 10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time. Hi everybody, it's Mike from Profiling Evil, and I'm really excited to announce that we've converted 20 episodes of the Academy series for audio podcast, and they're all available now on your favorite podcast platform. Now, I hope that you'll subscribe so that you get all the notifications when other podcasts are released. And don't forget to check us out on the World Wide Web at ProfilingEvil.com. And folks, if you like YouTube, visit Profiling Evil and make sure you're hitting that like and subscribe button. Now, our purpose in releasing these podcasts is to edutain you. Edutain means we really want to entertain you just enough to be able to teach you a few principles about the criminal justice system criminal investigations, and profiling. And I think you're going to find these episodes to be useful as you go about your own amateur crime sleuthing. So let's jump into today's discussion after this word from our sponsor. Well, hey folks, I'm pausing to share some concerns I have surrounding identity theft and fraud. I've learned a lot from our partner, Ara. They're the pros at protecting people from cyber predators. Aura provides identity theft protection, credit and fraud protection, and online and device security for you and your family. They taught me to think twice before answering those online questionnaires designed to steal our personal information. You know, it must be working because U.S. statistics show that 33% of us have been victimized by identity theft at an annual cost of more than $56 billion each year. Aura protection plans come with around-the-clock support, a money-back guarantee, and a million-dollar theft policy. But here's the best part. You can try Aura for free by clicking on this special Profiling Evil link in the description down below. When you do, we get a small commission. But think about it. You insure your car and you insure your house. Don't you think it's time to ensure your identity? Now let's get back to today's discussion. When the Philadelphia Police Department received a 911 call about a 14-year-old shot and killed by a group of thugs, shot nearly 20 times, people started asking, who done it? Well, instead, the first question should have been, who is Samar Jefferson and why did he become a victim? Let's explore victimology. Hey folks, does the victim of a crime bear any responsibility in what happened to him? Let's explore this and how we can lower our own risk of being victimized through applying some simple principles surrounding situation, circumstance, and environment. We're going to look into the victim risk continuum by using the Summer Wells case. 
Welcome to Profiling Evil. If you're new to our channel, thanks for joining. And if you're one of my university students or a longtime channel member, welcome back. Thanks for your support. And please take a moment and hit the like and the subscribe button. Make sure you're ringing the bell over there so that you get all of our informative videos like this one. Now let's talk profiling. The victim risk continuum can shed light on horrible crimes of victimization. So the question is, can it help us understand if a victim is handpicked by the predator because of some false perception on the predator's part? Or do these crimes simply happen because the victim is in the wrong place at the wrong time? If you're like me, you've been watching the news about missing five-year-old Summer Wells from Hawkins County, Tennessee, with great interest and hope. Now, investigators aren't talking, but bit by bit, we're seeing the story unfold, and studying more about the victim Summer Wells could help us focus and narrow the investigation in our own minds. I want to talk about the victim risk continuum today, and I thought I'd use the Summer Wells case to illustrate how criminal profilers evaluate victim risk. The continuum may also help you focus on the most probable offender in cases that you're exploring. To illustrate, I'm going to use a process that I learned many years ago during my criminal profiling training. It utilizes a graphic depiction of the victim's risk on a continuum. Reviewing this and applying it when you look at other cases in the news may help you better understand the investigative process. Five-year-old Summer Wells captured the attention of millions of people around the world when the little 40-pound girl with short blonde hair and blue eyes disappeared from her home. she just returned from swimming and was last seen at the house around 6.30 p.m. wearing her pink shirt and gray shorts. Now, some reports suggest that she was even barefoot. Almost immediately, conspiracy theories and finger-pointing swirled around her parents, Dawn and Candace Bly Wells. From the get-go, I believe that there were several possible explanations for her disappearance, including concerns of parental involvement. But other theories surround a possible accident at the home, leading to a disposal of Summer's body rather than the family facing the scrutiny of child abuse allegations. And of course, there are concerns that Summer may have been targeted and abducted by a stranger, or that the child was taken by someone who had a vendetta or a grudge against the family. With all these possibilities, I continue to remind all of us that we have to acknowledge the possibility that Summer simply wandered off on her own, had an accident. So let's discuss the victim risk continuum. After examining hundreds and hundreds of violent crimes against persons, cases like sexual assaults, abductions, and murders, profilers created this tool that I've successfully used and proven accurate for decades. Let's look at the continuum and talk about the components, starting with a look at risk levels. As we come to know the victim, we can theorize about who the suspect is in these cases. We will begin to imagine more accurately what motivated them to commit the crime and what their next move might be. Crime scene evidence, witness statements, and criminal statistics gleaned from hundreds of violent crime cases along with my own personal experiences, support this tool's benefits. So let's begin by analyzing the high-risk victim. 
High-risk victims can be described as someone who lives a risky lifestyle without a legitimate support system. Think of people who are involved in illegal drug sales or those in the sex trade industry. Others who might fit into this category are the homeless, people with disabilities, mental illness, or individuals with drug addictions. High-risk victims may be the folks that are living in their vehicle. They're sleeping under bridges or in alleyways. Think about the folks in Los Angeles' Skid Row. They generally lack consistent employment, and they may be involved in sex trafficking or drug sales to support themselves. They generally have a low level of trust for law enforcement or government services. They might be illegal immigrants or people with outstanding arrest warrants. Either way, they're trying to stay out of the sight of law enforcement. They, by the very nature of their condition, oftentimes will be victims of their environment and circumstance. Statistically, these high-risk individuals are victimized by strangers. They are probably opportunistic. They just simply happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, at the other end of the risk continuum spectrum are those people that we would consider low risk. This person is best described as someone with a small circle of friends. They don't go out with strangers and they don't go to locations where there might be a high crime rate or a lot of unknown people doing crazy things. If they do go out to a location where there are a lot of people, it's going to be something public like a concert or a sporting event. An example might be a stay-at-home mother who shops for groceries on Saturday, goes to church each week, and takes her children to soccer practice during the week. It's outside of her character to go to locations where drugs and alcohol are consumed or sold, uh, or places where there's criminal activity. Now, in the case of children, the type of person generally has a support system and protectors now, for purposes of this discussion, let's include Summer Wells in this category of a low-risk child. You might disagree with my assessment based on the facts that we've learned that show Summer's home conditions were less than ideal, but let's hold that discussion for another day. We're going to assume that her parents, grandmother, her siblings cared for and watched out for this little five-year-old girl. Statistically, low-risk victims generally do not get into trouble, nor do they associate with criminals. Because their circle of friends is small, they're not exposed to strangers. An example of their associations might be siblings or other family members. It could be classmates at school or fellow parishioners. You know, if they're attending a church, synagogue, or mosque, it's the people that they meet with each week. In Summer's case, even though her family lived in a rural area, her circle of influence was rather small. We know that the family attended their local church because we've seen those images and videos where Summer's in the care of at least one special church member, but she's seen running through the church. Now, let's talk in some generalities for a moment. When a low-risk victim is selected, the suspect in the case is generally known to the victim. And I want to clarify this just a little bit. The victim may not actually know who the predator is, but the predator knows who the victim is. A good example of this can be found in the Elizabeth Smart case. 
Elizabeth didn't know her abductor, Brian David Mitchell. Mitchell, a transient, had done some work on the smart home from time to time. But Elizabeth, at that time, or maybe hours later when he'd peer through their window, became the subject of his fantasy. While Mitchell was relatively unknown to Elizabeth, she was certainly known to him. Now, with any triage technique, the victim risk continuum has a number of influencing factors that can impact the risk level. Again, using the Summer Wells case, let's explore how the phenomenon of circumstance, situation, and environment can influence a risk level. We're, we're going to create a hypothetical situation using Summer Wells case to show how this low risk individual can become high risk. And for purposes of this discussion, we're going to assume I'm correct in placing Summer Wells at the low end of the spectrum, a low risk victim. I'm assuming that she is almost always in the company of her parents who reportedly love her. She has a grandmother and brothers who also watch out for her welfare. She's happy, healthy, and certainly energetic. Her circle of influence is small, confined primarily to her family, church members, and other close associates. In studying her daily activities, she appears quite adventurous and outgoing, though. For instance, think about when she goes places like the swimming hole. She's diving in. She's swinging back and forth on the swing. This is an adventurous child. But if she goes anywhere, like the swimming hole or a store, for instance, it appears that she's always in the custody of an adult. Again, she's only five years old. Let's go back in time to the day that she disappeared. It was June 15th, and after swimming and then sitting in the car for a while while her mother shopped, she returned home to play. She was last seen by her mother, grandmother, and brothers as she entered their home and went to the basement to play with her toys. This was behavior that was consistent with every other day, just not out of the ordinary. But once that child starts into the basement alone, she's no longer in the view of her mother, her grandmother, or siblings. This is where the influencing factors of circumstance, situation, and environment can come into play. Up until that moment, this low-risk child would statistically be victimized by someone who knows her. Remember, she, she would be a target if there was any aggression on her there. Now, if she were victimized by someone other than those in her inner circle, we'd have to consider what changed in her risk levels. To illustrate that, let's consider the possibility that Summer wasn't harmed by someone close to her. If not, something in her circumstances or environment changed her level of risk. And I want to storyboard this out a little bit to see if there are other possibilities that might make sense. Once Summer entered the basement alone, her risk level began inching up. Now, what if? What if a predator was watching her activities from the tree line or even closer? She's out of sight of those who would protect her, but she's now in an area where a predator could grab her. Let's say the predator was already inside the home, waiting in the basement or peering through the basement window. He could simply gain access to the child, control her, slip out the door, head down the dog trail to an awaiting vehicle. Or 
a predator could have been peeking through the basement window and knocked on the door, which Summer answered and unknowingly made the abduction possible. This scenario could be supported by testimony from a neighbor who heard what she described as a scream from the area of the dog trail about the time Summer disappears. Of course, we would have to consider that a predator could have taken the child into the woods surrounding the house, not going down the dog trail. There are so many possibilities. It could have been a burglar that was surprised by the child and took her just to get away, and then things went bad. Simple changes in the circumstance, situation, or environment could influence the level of risk this child was exposed to, and that could make her a victim of opportunity to an unknown predator. Now, before we end this discussion, we also have to consider that Summer may have simply wandered off, walking out of the basement door and into the nearby woods to explore. As she wandered, she could have fallen in one of the many creeks and waterways or sloughs in the area. She could have been injured as she explored the rough terrain around her home and never found. At that moment, she would become a proverbial needle in the haystack, laying in one of those nooks and crannies in the area. Either way, the victim risk continuum can help determine what risk level a victim was experiencing, who a possible predator might be, and what influencing factors need to be considered. I hope that you found this Profiling Evil segment to be helpful and interesting. Hey everybody, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your next online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a link below with special discount pricing. you got to click the link to get it, and then enter EVIL10 at checkout. We're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, enough to buy a small diet Dr. Pepper, but you can cancel at any time. Thanks for listening today. Well, thanks for listening to Profiling Evil Podcast, Season 1 and 2 of the Academy Series. We've bundled these episodes together for people like you who want to really binge listen. If there are some of you out there who want to space it out, you figure out the schedule and go to them as you can. Well, hey folks, listening to true crime stories can really trigger negative feelings and thoughts in some people. So if you or someone you know is experiencing trauma as a result of crime, please reach out to your medical or your mental health provider and get some help. And if you've been victimized, call your local police agency and ask for help. Hey, thanks so much for supporting Profiling Evil. I hope you'll consider joining our channel memberships over on YouTube. It's a place where you can provide us a little more support. As a channel member, you'll get more information a little more quickly, and uh, you'll be a part of the team that's helping us grow. And if you'd like to donate to Profiling Evil, you can always do so through PayPal or by visiting our website at ProfilingEvil.com and look for the little donate button. The Profiling Evil podcast series is created by the Profiling Evil Network, and the information contained in it is copyrighted. So don't copy or reuse it without getting our permission. Thanks so much. 
and we'll see you soon at the next crime scene. Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing, but you got to click the link and enter Evil10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time.